0: Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at Roundrockchurch.s. May God bless you as you seek him, and may he use this message to give you exactly what you need.
1: 1 Corinthians 9.19-23 9, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that, by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings.
2: Hmm. This is the word of the Lord Church. You may be seated. If you are a guest with us this morning, uh, once again, I want to say
3: welcome. My name is Michael Waldrop, and I am the student minister here at the Round Rock Church of Christ. Uh, And that means that I get to regularly uh, spend time with the uh, talented and even more importantly good-hearted students that you have seen this morning. Uh, My sermon this morning uh, is inspired by and is going to be structured by uh, an influential youth ministry book that came out in the last Five to Ten Years, called Growing Young. Uh, Here's a picture of it. Uh, This book is by the authors Kara Powell, Jake Mulder, and Brad Griffin. Um, And in this book, uh, the authors, you can kind of see at the top of the book there, uh, they advocate for churches to make six commitments. Six commitments that they believe will help churches become places where young people— Discover a love of church and discover a love of Jesus. Now, these six commitments are backed up by extensive research that these authors and the research group of which they are part, uh, it backed up by uh, significant research that they did. Uh, basically, they went out uh, and they studied churches that are engaging with young people at an above average rate. And then they just asked the question, like, okay, what's, what, what is... The secret to these churches' success: Why, why are they able uh, to have so many young people plug in and connect to Jesus at these churches? And what they found is that, is that, that, is that excuse me, that those churches practiced those six essential strategies or, or those six essential commitments. And so this morning, my approach is, is pretty simple. I just want to walk us through those six commitments. But to help me do so, uh, I have uh, asked uh, four of our students to share something from their experience to demonstrate how our church is already practicing these commitments. My hope is that these examples encourage you, but that's not my only hope, because I don't want to just share these examples Uh, so that we can pat ourselves on the back or or rest on our laurels. No, my my hope is that in hearing these examples, you are inspired to help our church lean into these commitments even more, that we would practice them at at an even deeper level, and that we would practice them even more often. Now, if you're in this room, uh, I expect that you don't need a whole lot of persuasion, uh, that it's worthwhile to take steps to help people to, excuse, excuse me, to take, to help young people uh, discover and love Jesus. But I do think it's important to note that taking those steps might be inconvenient at times. It might be uncomfortable at times. But to be a church that takes those steps, we cannot remain stagnant. It means, as the title of this book suggests, that we must grow. And inconvenience And discomfort are part of what happens in growth. So we must grow, but specifically, we must grow young. To borrow language from 1 Corinthians 9 that Mia just read for us, just as Paul said, to the weak, I became weak. To the Jew, I became like the Jew. So, like Paul, if we desire for young people to know the saving power of Jesus... We must become young. We must meet young people where they are. Doing so will add vitality to this congregation, and I'm convinced to congregations uh, around our community for years and years to come. I hope that is motivating to you. It is certainly motivating to me. So so how do we do it? How, How do we go about growing young? I'm going to go ahead and invite uh, Mackenzie Kennedy to come up to the stage. She is going to be sharing with us here in a moment. So the first commitment that the authors of this book, Growing Young, advocate for is this, unlock keychain leadership. Unlock keychain leadership. I'm going to let Mackenzie share an example of what it means to unlock keychain leadership. Mackenzie?
0: Good morning, my name is Mackenzie Kennedy and I'm currently a junior at Round Rock High School. Ever since I was little, the praise team has been a big part of my life since both my parents have been on it. And I knew I wanted to join when I was older. For me, older meant after high school or college, but for Abby Kitts, it meant as a high school student. (laughs) I've known Abby since I was born. Her contact name in my phone is mom number two she invited myself and other students to join the praise team her excitement to have us on the praise team boosted my confidence and encouraged more youth group students to join abby has also led me so much more to jesus for different people different parts of the worship service lead them to feel god more strongly than other parts for some communion is where they feel god's presence more for others it's during prayer abby helped me realize that i feel the holy spirit's presence most strongly when i worship through song My relationship with God is so much stronger because of her and her loving heart. These are just a couple reasons why I am so, so blessed to have someone as amazing as Abby to look up to.
3: Amen. Will you all help me thank (laughs) Mackenzie? Unlocking keychain leadership means that instead of centralizing authority and service roles, we empower others, and especially young people. Unlocking keychain leadership means that we don't hoard the keys to leadership roles and service. Instead, we hand keys over. We give young people access to roles of leadership and service. This is what Abby Kitts did with McKinsey by giving her an opportunity to use her gifts to help lead our church in musical worship. As Mackenzie mentioned, uh, Abby has done this with a number of our students, actually, and by doing so, Abby has given them access, has handed over some of those keys um, that they would have access to roles of leadership and service. So that's the first commitment. Unlock keychain leadership. The second commitment is this. Empathize with today's young people. Empathize with today's young people. So uh, I don't have a student who is going to share uh, with this commitment, commitment so uh, instead, I'm going to brag on Linda Kay. Be careful, loving teenagers here, folks. You might just end up as a sermon illustration. Since I arrived at Round Rock almost four years ago, I've seen Linda repeatedly be a warm, welcoming, understanding presence for our students. And one of the many reasons that I admire the way that Linda loves our students is because she is good at practicing empathy. As Growing Young would put it, instead of judging or criticizing, she steps into the shoes of this generation. Numerous times I've seen Linda patiently consider the perspective of a student, or be vulnerable about a time in her life that relates to the difficulties one of our students is going through. Now, this doesn't mean that that Linda never uh, challenges our students or or asks them to consider uh, a slightly different perspective than what uh, they are expressing, but it does mean that she leads with humility and love and a willingness to step into the emotions of our students. So this is the second commitment, empathize with today's young people. Tristan Collins, uh, if you would go ahead and come on up, Um, Tristan is going to be sharing with us about the third commitment uh, for this morning. And that third commitment uh, is this, fuel a warm community, fuel a warm community. Tristan, take it away, sir.
2: Good morning, my name is Tristan Collins, and I'm an eighth grader at Walsh Middle School. One of my favorite times of the week is Wednesday nights. This is where middle school gets together at a thing called Lyft. I really enjoy Lyft because Brendan and Mindy Kennedy and Alex and Jessica McCohen make it a super safe place. Before we even begin to circle up and share about our weeks, we play ping pong, we talk about life, and it's a super fun place to hang out. Brendan always greets us, and we enjoy some snacks. Once we do circle up, they always tell us that we don't have to share, and if we do share, I feel like I trust them a whole lot. If you say something pretty serious, then they will take it just as seriously as you do, and if you make a joke, then they'll laugh about it with you. They genuinely care about our answers, and that is what makes Life LIFT a super safe and warm place.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Thank you, Tristan. Y'all help me thank Tristan. <laughs> Fueling a warm community, means that instead of focusing on cool worship programs, we aim for warm peer and intergenerational friendships. Fueling a warm community means that instead of focusing on cool worship or programs, we aim for warm peer and intergenerational friendships. To, to borrow a phrase uh, from the book, uh, warm is the new cool. For young people today, warmth especially in, in friendships, is prioritized greater than coolness of worship or coolness of programs, right? And for that reason, I am so grateful for the ways that uh, Brandon and Mindy Kennedy, as well as Alex and Jessica McEwen, have helped create a warm community in our middle school small group, which, as, as Tristan mentioned, we call LIFT. But I'm, I'm also grateful to our middle school students because uh, – I'm grateful for those students and their help creating that warm environment. Because students, uh, if you didn't open up yourselves to caring for one another or caring for the adults in the room, it really wouldn't matter what we adults did. So students, thank you as well. That is the third commitment. Fuel a warm community. Okay, moving on. Number four. Number four is this. Take Jesus' message seriously. Take Jesus' message seriously. What this means is that instead of asserting formulaic gospel claims, we welcome young people into a Jesus-centered way of life. There, there are a number of encouraging examples that I could give for this, but, but one of the most encouraging to me of ways that uh, our so adults in this congregation have uh, taken Jesus' message seriously with our students, uh, one of the most encouraging examples is through those adults in our congregation who have been willing to read through one of the four Gospels with uh, our newly baptized students. So, uh, just to name a couple, uh, Corinne White, one of our uh, ninth grade girls, was baptized this past summer, uh, and then for numerous months after that, uh, Susie Strand sat down with Corinne and together they read all the way through the book of Mark. Joaquin Mata was baptized earlier this, earlier this year in January, and he and Stan Harton are walking through the same progress. In addition to these readers, I also think of Kayla Keel, who has been uh, walking alongside Ava Collins in our, uh, in our uh, mentorship program. Or I think of Lee Mormon and Gus Strand, who for years and years have faithfully and repeatedly pointed our students towards the message of Jesus. This commitment, commitment number four, to take Jesus' message seriously, is a reminder that we don't just want to be a church that advocates for, for this vague, general belief in a distant God. Right, right. We don't believe in deism. God is, God is not a divine butler. We don't want to advocate for this simply a belief that doesn't ask anything more of our students than to be nice or to have good self-esteem. No, we want to be a church that advocates for the robust life and the tangible love for a hurting world that is found in the specific story of Jesus Christ. The adults I just mentioned, uh, among plenty of others, uh, have, helped, have helped us advocate for just such a Christ-centered way. Of living. That is the fourth commitment. Take Jesus' message seriously. Okay, Wes Kenimer, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come up this way. Um, Wes is going to share with us about the fifth commitment, which is this, be the best neighbors.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Is it not working?
2: Is it working? Is this working? They, there it is. <laughs> up the speech real
1: <clears throat>
2: Good morning. My name is West. I'm in eighth grade and I've been asked to share about my recent experiences volunteering at the Court Nursing Home and Round Rock Area Serving Center. At the Court Nursing Home, uh we talked with and played some board games with the residents there. And I had a great time. I met this really nice man, Charles, who's really good at chess, and he beat me, and I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I met this lady named Linda, and she was really fun to talk to. Um, at the Round Rock Area Serving Center, I, along with other members of the youth group were tasked with folding donated clothing and uh, I mean I don't know what about it I just found it like calming and therapeutic I kind of liked it um and it was just a good way to pass the time helping people instead of not um they were a lot of clothes. <laughs> there were like 15 nine-foot tables and most of them were full to the ceiling. So altogether, I really enjoyed both opportunities and I would see myself volunteering more in the future. <clears throat> thank you for your time. Thank you, Wes.
3: Don't yeah. have me thank Wes. Being the best neighbors means that instead of condemning the world outside of our walls, we enable young people to neighbor well, both locally and globally. That might look like sorting clothes at the Round Rock Area Serving Center. That might look like getting beat in chess uh, by a resident at a nursing home. That might look like going on a trip with the organization Dry Bones so that you have an opportunity to connect with youth in Denver who are experiencing homelessness. That might look like translating for Spanish speakers at ShareFest. That might look like building relationships across boundaries that normally divide us, like politics or socioeconomic status. It might look like any number of things. I've noticed in my time here at Round Rock that our students are often some of the best in our congregation at wanting to be better neighbors. They have repeatedly challenged me to follow in the steps of the Good Samaritan and not put limits on my compassion or my hospitality. Perhaps part of the reason that students are so good at this is through school or extracurriculars Many of our students uh, interact with teenagers from from vastly different backgrounds, right? I mean, they they have friends, our students have friends who are Hindu and trans and atheist and Catholic and clinically depressed, immigrants, liberal, Protestant, progressives, Longhorn fans, Aggie fans. They have friends whose parents have PhDs and they have friends whose parents never graduated from college or excuse me, from high school. They have friends who go to Ivy League schools and friends who have learning disabilities, friends who come from traditional family units and friends who have two moms, friends who live in poverty and friends who live in inordinate wealth. Our students remind me to see all of these people, whether I agree with them or I disagree with them, our students remind me to see all of those people as loved by God and made in God's image. And our students remind me to take action in accordance with seeing people the way that God sees them. So commitment number five, be the best neighbors. All right, for our final commitment, uh, I'm going to ask Ella Whaley to go ahead and come up to the stage. Uh, The sixth and final commitment that churches need to grow young is this, prioritize young people and families everywhere.
2: Ella?
1: Hello, my name is Ella Whaley, and I'm in the eighth grade. My experience in the children's ministry has been very exciting for me. As a lot of you probably already know, I love kids. I've wanted to babysit since I was 10, and being a part of this ministry is what really got me started. I currently help in the nursery and occasionally in praise camp if needed. Last year, I got the opportunity to begin babysitting Kyla Wellington, when she was six months old, and she's now a year and five months. I like to think that she's my best friend and I'm her favorite person in the entire world because that's how she makes me feel. Plus, she can't talk, so she can't say I'm not her favorite. (laughs) She smiles with her whole face and is the sassiest person I know. Other than Miss Sue Duncan. (laughs) I also started babysitting Kaylee, Charlie, and Wesley Durgan in August and they are so fun to be around. Kaylee is so kind and smart, Charlie is so creative, and Wesley is such a sweet little kid. If I had the choice, I would spend all my time with these kids and see them any chance I get for as long as possible. I see God so much in children and I'm so grateful to be able to spend my time with them by working in the children's ministry.
3: Yo, help me think, Ellie. Prioritizing young people and families everywhere means that instead of merely giving lip service to how much young people matter, we look for creative ways to tangibly resource, support, and involve them in all facets of our congregation. You might notice that this commitment overlaps with the first commitment that we talked about, um, unlocking keychain leadership. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, to our former children's minister, Robin Mars, and to our current children's and partnership minister, Jody Posadas, for practicing keychain leadership by allowing a number of our students to serve in, in children's ministry contexts, um, and, I, and I also want to say thanks to those students who, for being willing to serve in children's ministry contexts. Students like Ella Whaley, Natalia Sumter, Leanna Mormon, Cooper Jergensen, Brooklyn Estes, Nate Piercy, Bailey Tindall, Adeline Lambert, and and plenty of others. Thank you for serving the children and families of this church. I think stories like Ella's are such a good example of this sixth commitment. Because Robin and Jody were willing to involve Ella, and because Ella was willing to serve our children, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Corey and Jerome Wellington, Kyla's parents, get to have their daughter cared for by a teen girl who adores her. Robin and, and now Jody get a volunteer position filled. And Ella gets to hang out with the cutest child on the planet. And if you've ever met Kyla, you know that that is an incontrovertible fact. Like, look, I know all of your babies are cute, but there's like Kyla and everybody else. I'm sorry, that's just, that's just the way it is. <laughs> So prioritize young people and families everywhere. This is the sixth and final commitment uh, for churches who seek to grow young. To close, uh, I will say this. I am grateful for the innumerable ways that our church is already in the process of growing young. And I hope just these examples that you've heard this morning um, give you uh, just evidence of, of that fact, I hope that these examples have encouraged you, but I I also hope that these examples spark your imagination and fuel your conviction to be a part of our church, helping young people discover and love Jesus. So to the young, let us become young. We won't regret it. Amen. Now
2: I'm going to invite uh, Lee Mormon up for our blessing.